This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 164, episode 164 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. (laughs) Ah, that was lovely. Ah, that was lovely. I'm so excited to talk about it. But anyways, uh, moving on. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some super duper podcasts like the Boston Uncommon podcast with Joe Mass, the Marky P Show, Those Girls You Know, Drinks After Work, Eat the Damn Cake, I'm the Promoter, He's the DJ, Burnt Toast, Let's Be Clear with Kayla, It's Always Something with JD, 30 Flirty and Surviving, Rambling with a Purpose, A Chance to Strive, and Music You're Missing. If you're into sports cards, don't forget to go to Big Night Breaks on Whatnot, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and you can go check it out in person down at the Card Vault down at Patriot Place in Foxborough, Massachusetts. You can always follow Big Night Media for your chance to win free tickets every single Tuesday. Thanks to Timmy Ticket Tuesday for any upcoming shows Big Night Live. And don't forget to get your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise at BigNightShop.com. So what do we want to talk about today? Day. Do we want to talk about some brooms, maybe a sweep, maybe a 116-112 to 112 win by the Boston Celtics over the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn? Third closest sweep in NBA playoff history. The Celtics won by a total of 18 points. There was a series back in 1975 and a series back in 2017 where the difference uh, or the point differential, whatever you want to call it, was 16 points. Now, with that being said... Celtics won this series by a total of 18 points, and number 12 was a minus 5 in the series. So does that bring everyone down from number 12's great performance tonight? Okay, great. Glad we're starting off on a good note. Now, here's the thing. Now we wait on the winner of the Bulls-Bucks series. The Bucks are up three games to one. Game 5 is Wednesday night in Milwaukee. Let's go out on a limb and say the Bucks win the game. Game 7 was supposed to be at TD Garden between the Celtics and the Nets on Sunday. If the Bucks win on Wednesday, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Game 1 will be on Sunday at TD Garden. 1 o'clock game, 3.30 game, who knows? It's all about that TV rating stuff, bullshit, whatever the case may be. But whatever it is, the Boston Celtics are officially in the second round, and they will have home court advantage in the second round. Wow, who would have thought? But let's break down Game 3, shall we? I want to do it. You want to do it. This is fun. I, I, I mean, this is just bananas. I mean, I'm on cloud nine right now. Um, it, it has nothing to do with the fact that the Celtics 
beat Kevin Durant. It has nothing to do with the fact that Celtics beat Kyrie Irving. I don't care about that shit. I want the Celtics to win basketball games and win Banner 18. So if you're one of those fans that is just like, yeah, but we beat Kyrie, fuck Kyrie, that's what he gets for fucking us over, cool. Um, I hope you can sleep better because of that. I don't care about any of that. I don't care who the Celtics beat. I want another Banner, okay? So let's break down this game. And obviously the big story going into this game was Scott Foster. And a lot of Celtics fans were like, oh no, Scott Foster is going to screw us over. And they're not going to be able to win because of the officiating. And oh no. Shut up. Like, shut up. So childish. Who cares about the officiating? The Celtics don't care about the officiating. Now, sometimes Jason Tatum does the way that he complains and that's fine, whatever. But the Celtics are playing at such a high level as of late over these last three or four months, the officiating should be the last thing in your mind. Yes, I understand that the officiating is a very important part of the NBA, part of the drama, part of the quote-unquote fun, if you will, or the quote-unquote bullshit of the NBA, but we cannot worry about that with this Celtics team because they're playing so well. Now, Kevin Durant picked up a couple quick fouls in that first quarter, Seth Curry picked up a few fouls in that first quarter, and that's just funny to me because everyone was just like, oh, well, Scott Foster's going to favor the Nets. But off the bat, it didn't really help. And then Al Horford picked up his second foul within the first five minutes of the game. you know. And then next thing you know, Al Horford, before all that happened, actually scored more points in the first five or six minutes in the game than he did all of game three, which is exactly what I asked for in episode 163. So you're saying to yourself, okay, I understand that Rob Williams is on... Uh, minute restriction. It's nice to have him as a backup. You can have Tice and Time Lord out there, bring back the glory days. But Time Lord really wasn't that great. I mean, the first few minutes that he was in the game, he was a minus six. He clearly isn't 100% yet. And I appreciate him playing. He he wasn't great in this one. And, and that's okay. It, he's he's going to get the rest out of him. He's going to get Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rest, really maybe ramp up the rehab again, be in a better state of mind, be in a better state of health, all that stuff. But this was one of those games where you say to yourself, thank God for Daniel Tice. Seriously, thank God for Daniel Tice. Because, you know, Rob finished being a minus three, five rebounds, three points, but Daniel Tice, six points, eight rebounds, was just fantastic. He did pick up a couple quick fouls late. I'm sorry, not late, early in that third quarter, which really wasn't ideal, especially with Al in foul trouble. But Daniel Tice, I thought, was great in the first half, especially filling in for Al while he was in foul trouble. And I just thought he was awesome. And here's something that we, we I, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about and something that will really go under the radar. It's how quickly he fit in. He knows how to play with these guys. It's it's almost like he never left. And if any other player got brought in, whether they're better than Tice, worse than Tice, equal as Tice, whatever the case may be, A, it might not have worked. And B, if it did work, it might have taken a much longer time for that individual to fit in. Tice knew his role, came in, was a professional, was a veteran, and said, okay, hey, Marcus, this is what we do well. Hey, Jason, this is what I can help you with. Hey, Al, remember when we used to do this? All those type of things are really going to help this team going forward. So thank God for Daniel Tice, and shout out to Brad Stevens for really bringing him back into the mix because he's been, I, I thought he's was very solid in this series. And to be honest with you, he might start 
And, you know, depending on how Rob is, depending on his rebound, uh, or rebounding, well, hopefully Rob rebounds well, but his rehab, he might be starting again to start these first couple games in this upcoming series against the Bucks or the Bulls. But, you know, the first six minutes of the game was a little nerve-wracking because half of the Celtics' points came from the free-throw line. And it's like, when have we ever been able to say that? Like, ever. Like, that's just always been something that we really don't really talk about a lot with the Celtics. Like, man, they really got to the free-throw line a lot tonight, you know? And that's just not a thing. I mean, at the end of the day, they really only shot 22 free-throws. The the Nets shot 29. So for those that are just like, oh, you see, the refs are trying to help the Nets out to win the game. Shut up. Seriously, shut up. But, you know, you you, you see that they attacked the rim. They got to the free-throw line. They hit their free-throws. You love to see that. Derek White, DW9, as I like to call him, he actually scored more points in the first two minutes that he was on the floor in the first quarter than what he was averaging during the entire series. And I know I'm... I know I'm very repetitive sometimes on this podcast just because I, I really think it's just so important. But yes, Derek White shot 4 of 10, 0 of 4 from 3, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 9 points in Game 4. But Derek White's offense really and truly needs to be brought to another level in this second round and hopefully the Eastern Conference Finals and hopefully the NBA Finals. But Derek White's offense, his shooting has to improve because we know we can trust Derek White defensively. But man, does he really need to score the basketball. And the way that he scored the basketball, now that I think of it, like in those first couple of minutes was the best way for Derek White to score. He attacked the paint, got some layups, hit some floaters. I don't need those Derek White open three-pointers. Like, I'm okay with it, but like... I don't know, him just shooting the basketball outside of the three-point line just isn't something that I need in my life and really don't ever want to see. And I never thought that we would have another guard that could possibly shoot worse than Marcus Smart at times, uh, especially to start their Celtics career. But uh, DW9 has proved that wrong. So, I don't know, I I, I took a lot of notes in this game, and, and I know I chat a lot about the road games just because when I'm actually at the games, I'm an absolute idiot and just go absolutely nuts but you know KD Kyrie they hit some open shots then number 12 hit a corner three-pointer as he should and then forced a turnover on Kevin Durant which is very impressive and I thought number 12's defense on Kevin Durant this entire series was very impressive tip of the cap to you you know I'm still not ready to call him by his name but number 12 did play well no doubt about it those little plays that number 12 kind of frustrated Kevin Durant with go such a long way because he should score on number 12 every single time. But he wasn't able to during this series. And if he can't score, thankfully Nicholas Claxton can't hit a free throw either. I mean, Nicholas Claxton took 11 free throws tonight and missed his first nine, made his 10th, missed his 11th. Or maybe it was the other way around. Who cares? But the fact that he missed that many free throws in a four-point game is absolutely wild. But the other thing that's really wild... Now that I think of it, it's Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum obviously was phenomenal in this series, the MVP of this series. They don't give out awards for MB, MVPs and stuff. but And listen, I understand that he fouled out, got a little frustrated with the refs, but Jason Tatum in this upcoming series against the Bulls, the Bucks, whatever the case may be, he really needs to cut down his turnovers. And I understand that everyone was thrilled with Jason Tatum. He had 18 assists in the first two games, and 
what did he have, 6 in Game 3, 11. So he probably ended up with 29 assists overall in the series, maybe 28, maybe even 30. Oh, just almost burped there. Had to give a shout-out to my friend John Curley. He's requesting me to burp. There it is. Uh, he's been requesting me to burp all playoff long. And here you go, John Curley. Love you tons, bud. Um, but <clears throat> Jason Tatum. Sure, he might have had 28 assists, 29 assists, whatever the case may be, but he also had 23 turnovers, and that ain't it. And I understand he has the ball a lot, but here's the thing. Jason Tatum, in three out of the four games in this series, didn't score in the first quarter. No joke. And what I mean by that is he didn't hit a, like a field goal. He obviously scored. But he did not hit a field goal, a made field goal, not a free throw, but a made field goal in the first three games of this series. That's frustrating. And this is where his passing has helped so much. But there are times where Jason does force the basketball. And that is something that they were able to survive against the Nets. But you're not going to be able to do that against the Bucks or the Bulls. And I keep saying the Bucks or the Bulls. I mean, most likely it's going to be Bucks. But hey, I'm just trying to be realistic. So halfway through the second quarter, the Celtics were up 9 and guess what? They couldn't hold a lead because what else is new? They made some dumb plays like Smart not taking a layup when Durant had three fouls. And he could have attacked him. and Or he could have lobbed it up to Rob. But he threw it through a corner pass to number 12. And it has nothing to do with number 12 here. But Kyrie ran back. He defended well. Number 12 missed the shot. They got a long rebound. Curry ran down the court, got to a corner, hit a three-pointer. And those type of plays might work against a seven seed on the brink of elimination, but they're not going to work against a playoff team in game two or game three or game four of a series. But the final three and a half minutes of the first half, the Celtics ended up a plus seven. They were up eight overall after Kevin Durant dropped 20 points. You have to be very thankful for that. You have to be very thankful for the way number 12 played. I think he went, what, three or four, maybe four or five in that First half, obviously very important. you got to thank Jason Tatum for the fact that he trusts Grant Williams to hit those shots. And I know I just said his name. And maybe he does deserve it after this one game, and that's fine. But Tatum, this is the thing, and I know uh, Stan Van Gundy mentioned it, but you look back a couple years ago, Jason Tatum gets double teamed, and you know what? He, like, wanted to hit a contested fadeaway jumper he would miss it we would all get frustrated now he's like oh you're gonna double me and leave that dude open okay that's on you and that's a huge improvement from jason tatum and that's why he almost got 30 assists in over four games but just have to limit the turnovers a little bit so to start the third quarter you know tice got that fourth foul very quickly which means rob came in celtic starters are reunited and claxton just got too many looks because the celtics decided to like stop switching on durant and they decided to double him instead because i mean durant played a very very good first half like the the type of first half we were expecting to see from him all series long and Kevin Durant, obviously, when they doubled him, he found the open guy. He made some great basketball plays because Kevin Durant, I don't care what you say, he was off the series. He was mentally unstable in this series. Whatever the case may be, Kevin Durant is still a freaking good basketball player, no matter what you say. But Claxton missing those 10 free throws, not a great look. Like, thank God. But 
the Celtics just couldn't get to like a 10 or 11, 12 point lead. It was like eight or nine. Next thing you know, it was only four and then back to eight or nine and then back only to four. And it was, to be honest with you, it was kind of fucking annoying. It really was. And and you're just like, Hey Nets, when are you going to lay down? Like, I'm so sick of this shit. And they just didn't. But once again, the Celtics ball movement took over. I, and, and listen, I know you're sick of me saying it, but I'm telling you, if the Celtics have good ball movement, they're impossible to beat. The, you know, they had 25-plus assists in this game. I think it was 26 overall. Marcus Smart had 11 of them, and that's because he forced it. He found someone, and they made the open shot. But going into that fourth quarter, the Celtics were up 12. I think at one point they were up 15 late in the third quarter, and they came out flat. Peyton Pritchard did not play well. He was probably due for a bad game. Peyton played very well in the first three games of the series, but to start the fourth, Ime kept him in. I thought Ime kept him in a little bit too long. Tatum picked up his fifth foul. Ime probably shouldn't have challenged it. I get why he wanted to challenge it, because he didn't want Tatum to pick up his fifth foul, but not ideal, because you you could have lost a timeout there, especially in a tight game. That was kind of weird, but when Ime took him out, the Celtics were up seven, and then Al Horford hit a big-time three, just like I asked. I asked Al Horford in episode 163 to have a big game, and sure, it wasn't maybe a 20-point game or an 18-point game, but 13 points, six assists for someone who only played six minutes in the first half. Al Horford played 20 out of the 24 final minutes in that second half, and it was huge. But unfortunately, Gordon Drogic, that fucking asshole, decided to black out again so goddamn annoying he ended up with um how many points did he have do you have 10 i think he had like 10 points but he also had eight rebounds so frustrating he's so annoying i respect him so much he he didn't want to go home he was a, a true professional this entire series and he's such a good basketball player but he's also so annoying especially when you're cheering for the other team and he did that stupid left-handed spin move that tice fell for early in the first half oh god it, it drove me nuts but Tatum fouled out with what, like 245, 250 left in the fourth quarter, and off of a flop, you know, I'm not here to complain about the refs, but that was a flop by Drogic, and the Celtics were up six, and Jalen Brown tried to take over for a little bit, really couldn't do it, kind of forced a couple turnovers, not a big deal, but then Marcus Smart was like, you know what, I got this. And Marcus Smart played a hell of a game for the Boston Celtics tonight. He took a couple risks. You know, he tried to steal an inbound pass from Kevin Durant. And next thing you know, Kyrie open. Kyrie was wide open for a three. Kyrie stuck to three. And then he tried to steal the ball again. And, you know, to be honest with you, it was probably actually a really good idea for Marcus Smart to do what he did because Kevin Durant was feeling it. He made a couple shots in a row and then he went for a steal, fouled him and just made him go to the free throw line. And Kevin Durant actually missed a free throw. Celtics got the ball and the game was over basically at that point. So it was one of those like, Marcus, what are you doing? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I see what you were doing there. Okay. Yeah, sure. But end of the day, the Boston Celtics sweep the Brooklyn Nets in four games. Who would have thought I predicted the Celtics to win in six and I, w- I was wrong. No no problem admitting that. But, like, this Celtics team, they stayed together as a team. Everyone stepped up. The coaches made the proper adjustments. They defended well. They rebounded well for the most part. They took punches. They fought back. They finished in crunch time, which is something that you never thought they would do. The Celtics in crunch time this year, 11-18. and 18. In the playoffs, 4-0. Like, what? That Like, that doesn't make any sense. But But, hey, here we are. But they still need to be able to put teams away. 
they still need to be able to keep up their big leads, which is something that we haven't seen. But hey, it's baby steps. You know, we always used to complain. The Celtics can't play in the fourth quarter. They prove that they can. So now it's can you get a lead and can you keep it? That will be the next step. So here we go. They will most likely be playing the Milwaukee Bucks. So let's try and break it down for you as best as I can. The season series, it was split 2-2. Two to two. Started off early in the year, the Celtics won in double overtime, 113-107 in November when they absolutely stunk at the time. But Giannis and Middleton didn't play, so I guess you really can't count that game. And then they also won in December, 114-107, both games at home. Their big three did play, but I don't think Jalen Brown played in that game, if I remember correctly. And then they got blown out on Christmas, which, if you remember that episode after Christmas, I said for the first time ever... I felt uncomfortable watching Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play basketball, and I'm glad they didn't break them up. But that game, I felt a little uncomfortable, for sure. And then they lost by six, uh, I think the second to last game of the season, like the second week of April, they lost by six without Al Horford and Rob Williams and Jason Tatum. Very impressive, I, I, I would say, to only lose by six without those guys. So... You really can't take the regular season with these teams because there were times where Tatum didn't play. There were times Giannis didn't play. There were times Jalen didn't play. There was time Al Horford didn't play. So it's very, very interesting. But this whole series is all going to be about matchups. It really and truly is. And I know that's super basic and generic, but that's just <clears throat> that's just the way that it is. Tatum versus Giannis. If Middleton comes back, Middleton versus Jalen. Marcus versus Drew Holiday. Al Horford versus Brooke Lopez. Bobby Portis versus Rob Williams, Pat Cunnington, Arlington, Massachusetts own versus Derek White, Peyton Pritchard versus Grayson Allen, uh, Daniel Tice versus Wes Matthews. It's really not a matchup. It's which player is going to step up bigger for their team. And then you have, you know, Mike Budenhoser or Rowan Gardner or Gardenhoser, whatever his name is, versus Ime Odoka. That's going to be a big matchup. You know, Mike Budenhoser, Rowan Gardner, whatever his name is has won a coach of the year. He's won an NBA Finals. Ime's a new coach. It's going to be very, very interesting. And it's going to be a lot of fun. The Bucks definitely have a deeper bench for sure. But you can take that deep bench and try and match it with the Celtics' confidence right now because the Celtics' confidence are, are is sky high. Probably the, the highest you could probably say it's ever been since Kevin Garnett's been around. Like, no joke. Like, I understand the IT days and it was great and all, or when Kyrie was around and they won 16 in a row, but the confidence that these guys have right now is uncanny. It's 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 unbelievable. But the Bucks, let's focus on them. They have scored the third most points per game in the league this year, 14th best field goal percentage, and the fifth best three-point percentage in the regular season. I'm not really including the playoffs because it's only like a handful of games and they're not playing the best team right now in the Chicago Bulls. I feel like everyone's injured for them. Caruso, Zach Levine's on 100%. Um, what's his name? Lonzo Ball isn't playing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the, let me say this again. The Bucks are the fifth best three-point shooting team heading into the playoffs. So say it with me. Do not try to outshoot the Bucks from the three-point line for the love of God. Now, in this game four, the Celtics shot 40% from three. 14 to 35, very impressive. But the Celtics were the 14th best three-point shooting team in the league. That's a big difference. Let's not try to do that. But something that is going to be 
very, very important, and I will probably harp on it all series long, is the rebounding. Whether it's Rob, Al, Time Lord, Jalen, Jason, Derek White, Marcus Smart, rebounding is going to be very, very important. And I hope everyone is listening. You gotta rebound the basketball. The Bucks during the regular season were the second best rebounding team with 46.7 rebounds per game, and the Celtics were fifth at 46.1. So whoever wins the rebounding battle in these games is going to win this series. The Celtics were the 11th best offensive rebounding team in the league at 10.5, and the Bucks were 15th at 10.2. That's how tight the rebounding battle is. The Celtics have to pass the ball better than the Bucks, and I think they can because the Celtics do have more assists than the Bucks do, but the Bucks turn it over less. So can we have the same type of situation that I talked about in episode 163 was the Celtics have a lot of dumb, lazy turnovers. But the Nets had so many turnovers due to the Celtics' defense. So can the Celtics limit those dumb turnovers and force the Bucks to make those dumb turnovers? That's going to be vital. And listen, we can go on and on with stats, but you, you, you think about the injuries right now. George Hill is out for them, which is someone who has killed the Celtics in the past. Even when Kyrie was with the Celtics, and there's really no timetable for his return with his abdominal strain right now, which is obviously a plus for the Celtics. But if this series goes deep, he will play, and he will be a big factor. And you've got to think about Rob Williams, a very, very important guy right now. And are his minutes going to go up? Can he play better? He's looked a little off right now, a little rusty. That was bound to happen, but it can't happen anymore. He's had a couple games under his belt. Is he going to be thrown back into the starting lineup after a full week of rest? Maybe not a full week, but he's going to get Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, you know, the game most likely will be on Sunday if the Bucks win on Wednesday night. So that's very, very interesting. So going into this series, I have five things that I'm looking at. Number one, bench scoring. Grayson Allen, Duke guy, everyone's going to boo him. Everyone's going to hate him. He can't go off. I mean, he has scored 20 points multiple times in this series against the Bulls. He is someone that the Celtics need to control. They, I can't deal. As a Duke guy, you know, Grayson Allen might have been an asshat, but he was a great player, won a national championship with Duke. I appreciate that about him. But I can't have a Duke guy play like Gordon Drogic and go off in a series. I can't do it. So... Bench scoring is going to be very important. Derek White has to step up. Peyton Pritchard, Derek White have to match the play of Grayson Allen. That's number one. Number two, the rebounding. Rebounding has to be won by the Celtics. You cannot give Giannis or Brooke Lopez second chance points or Drew Holiday, whatever the case may be. And then number three, Al versus Giannis. Can Al slow down Giannis? Al with five days of rest could be huge for this team because at this point it's basically going to go every other day. And it's not going to be like the dragged out first round where they're going to have three days off. So can Al slow down Giannis? That's going to be very important. And then number four, what is the health situation going to be like with Chris Middleton, who is a known Celtics killer? Since October of 2019, Chris Middleton has scored 17 points or more in eight out of nine games. This season, in three games, he's averaged 22 points, five rebounds, and five assists against the Celtics. And everyone knows how I say that Jalen Brown is the most important player in this series and most important player for this team going forward, and that's going to continue, especially if Chris Middleton is out. Jalen Brown, if Chris Middleton is out, is most likely going to have Drew Holiday on him, which will then put 
Wesley Matthews on Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart could cook. But Jalen Brown, again, Giannis versus Tatum. Giannis is probably going to win it overall. And I understand Tatum's in his bag right now and playing at another level. But you, there is some argument that you could say that Giannis Antetokounmpo was the NBA's regular season MVP. He had such a sneaky good year, and it was almost like he it was expected what he could do. Tatum's got to match that energy, rebounding, scoring, getting others involved. And I have faith that Jason Tatum can do that. But with no Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown has to be the third best player in this series. And if Chris Middleton does come back, Jalen Brown has to be the third best player in this series. So bench scoring, rebounding, Al versus Giannis, Jalen going above and beyond with or without Chris Middleton on the floor. And finally, number five, the defense. I know it's generic and basic and probably boring to you, but the defense has been key to this entire run for the Celtics. For the four games that they won against the Brooklyn Nets and ever since January, February, whenever you want to say the Celtics started playing very well, the defense has to continue. What are they going to do? Are they going to switch? Are they not going to switch? Are they going to go under screens, over screens? Are they going to create a wall for Giannis? How are the Bucks going to adjust to that type of switching? You know, can Rob keep up with Giannis? We know that Marcus can. We know that Jalen can. We know that Jason can. We know that Al can, etc., etc. But the Celtics have to stay put with their defense. They have to buy in. Again, this is a brand new season. New series, new season. Because everything will fall into place if the Celtics can continue their great defense. Giannis is going to get calls in this series. Rob and Al and Tice are going to get into foul trouble, and that's okay. But as a team, they have to prove why they are the best defensive team in the league, and this is the perfect series to do that. So if they can win the rebound battle, if they can get the 25 assist a game and limit the Bucks' three-point shooting, I say, my prediction, the Boston Celtics win this series in seven games and go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's it for episode 164 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. There will be a new episode out the morning after game one. You get a full preview now. You probably get a week off from me. You're probably sick of hearing me with all these podcasts that have come out in the last week, but I appreciate the support. As always, this has been one of the best weeks of my podcast life if you will uh banner banter podcast and oh by the way i also have another podcast the wicked fast podcast go check that out through b pod studios the beasley media group but for now next episode episode 165 will be out after game one which will most likely be on sunday so we'll talk soon toodles and noodles x's and o's bye-bye sorry but i'm gone i'm history and I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.